bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, February 25th, 2020. In today's podcast, I'm going to share my thoughts as to when HUD's 2020 income limits might be released. I'll also share some of the many reasons their release is so important. As part of that, I'm going to share Novogratz's estimates as to what to expect percentage-wise in terms of income and rent increases for low-income housing tax credit properties in both 2020 and 2021. Now today, I also have an update, an important update, concerning proposed Community Reinvestment Act regulations. And then I'm going to wrap up the podcast with some state-level affordable housing and opportunity zones news. So, if you're ready, let's get started. Today, I want to share some key dates and estimates related to HUD's 2020 income limits. HUD's annual release of their income limits are important for a variety of reasons. First, HUD's income limits determine whether individuals or families are eligible for various HUD-assisted programs. Second, HUD income limits also determine whether individuals or families are eligible for low-income housing tax credit and tax and bond finance apartments. And third, the income limits also determine maximum allowable rents that landlords can charge for low-income housing tax credit financed apartments. Now given all of this, each year's income limits are highly anticipated by the affordable housing community, including property owners and property managers. This interest has led Novogratik to develop and offer to owners and managers some key tools to help them anticipate income limits. I want to share more about these tools in a moment. But first, let's talk about the importance of the timing of HUD's annual income release. Property owners have 45 days after the release of income limits to adjust their tenant qualification income limits and their maximum rent levels. As a result, it's critically important that property managers and owners monitor the release of the income limits. Two years ago, HUD declared that the annual target date for the release of their income limits was April 1st. Last year, though, there was the federal government shutdown in January. That shutdown delayed the release of HUD's income limits until April 24th. Now, in the three previous years, income limits were released between March 28th and April 14th. All of this said, we at Novogratik are optimistic that HUD will meet its April 1st release date this year. Now, Let's review how HUD's income limits are determined and what we at Novogratik anticipate this year. HUD's income limits are based on the area median income, or AMI. The income limits this year, they'll be based on the 2017 American Community Survey. Novogratik now, based upon that knowledge, is able to make some very strong estimates based on the 2017 data. So, let's start with the big picture. Novogratik estimates that the U.S. median income will increase by about 4% in the year 2020 and almost 3.5% the following year in 2021. It is worth knowing that HUD does cap the annual increase limits for low-income housing tax credit properties at the greater of two amounts, the greater of 5% or double the increase in the national median income. 
What this means is that we at Nevergradic predict that the maximum increase in income limits will be around 8% this year in 2020 and 7% the following year in 2021. Now, of course, the key for any developer, property manager, owner, etc., is what's happening where their property is located, since the national numbers are just that, figures for the entire country. Now, let me point out the importance of local information. Novogratic estimates that 25% of areas will have an AMI increase of at least 5%. That's at least 5% for each of the next two years. Once again, 25% of the areas we estimate will have an AMI increase of at least 5% for each of the next two years. Conversely, 10% of areas will have a decrease this year. They're going to show a decrease in 2020. An even larger amount, 20%, we anticipate will have a decrease next year in 2021. So as you can see, where your property is located definitely will affect the degree to which your income levels are going to change and the magnitude of that change. Now one factor that does go in, another factor I should say, that goes into income limits is what's called a high housing cost adjustment. This adjustment increases income limits for areas where the cost of housing is abnormally high. Now, Novogratz calculates that more than 40 counties across the nation will have an increase in income limits due to this high housing cost adjustment. Of those 40 areas, it's no surprise that 12 are in California, while 8 are in Florida. Let me share one final note about these income limits. The 2020 income limits will include the limits for the average income minimum set aside. As you recall, the IRS issued guidance as to how to calculate the numbers for the average income option recently, and last week HUD published the 2019 last year's income limits for this income set aside. Those figures include limits for every 10% increment from 20% to 80% of AMI, 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%, 60 70%, 80%. Now this was for 2019. HUD has formally indicated it does plan to release the same numbers for 2020 in the same package of information with their annual release. So we're waiting for the income limits to be released. However, you don't have to wait to start preparing yourself. Why do I say you don't have to wait to prepare? Well, the Novogratz website has a rent and income limit estimator. This estimator includes rent and income limit estimates for 2020 and 2021. The estimator is a report that can help you estimate the income and rent growth for the next year or two for your specific area. I encourage you to visit our rent and income limit estimator and calculate the estimates for your property for 2020 and 2021. Now the income limit estimator isn't free, but the modest cost is well worth the benefit of knowing what to expect in rent growth over the next two years. We find that property managers use the estimator for budget purposes, lenders use it for underwriting, as do syndicators, developers in anticipating purchasing properties as well as during the development process, they'll want to look at the estimated income levels for the next two years pretty much anyone who underwrites tax credit properties or monitors them will look to us and this rent and income limit estimator to get a sense as to what to look forward to in terms of rent growth over the next two years. And if, it, and if it reveals that you're not expecting rent growth, well, you may not like the outcome if you're the owner of the property, 
but you do want to know it in advance. So I'll say once again, please check out our Rent and Income Limit Estimator. Now, our Rent and Income Limit Estimator is also home to the free Novogratz Rent and Income Limit Calculator. Now, this calculator is just that. It's a calculator, not an estimator. It doesn't look prospectively. Rather, it features the current rent and income levels. So currently, that's based upon the 2019 to 2019 numbers. Now, this rent and income calculator will be updated following HUD's announcement with the 2020 limits, and usually it takes us a few weeks to get the calculator updated. Now, I'll share the link to both these, the rent income estimator and the Novogratz rent income limit calculator in today's show notes, and I'll tweet out a link as well. And if you want more information, I encourage you to contact my partner, Thomas Stagg. He has an outstanding knowledge of these rules, and he's in our Washington Bellevue office. Also, Thomas has an outstanding blog post about income limits. I'll include a link to that in the show notes and tweet that out as well. And you can always sign up for Novogratz breaking news email alerts. And if you do, you'll be notified when the income limits are released by HUD. There is a link to the new subscription page in the show notes as well. Now, I do want to share some brief CRA news. That's the Community Reinvestment Act news. Last week, we got some very good news regarding the efforts to update the regulations that implement the Community Reinvestment Act. So what was that good news? Well, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, or the OCC, along with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, have postponed the deadline for comments on their proposal. They postponed the deadline 30 days, which means the new deadline for submitting comments is April 8th. Now, as we previously discussed, the CRA is a crucial incentive for banks to lend and invest in community development and affordable housing. As a consequence, changes in how a bank is rated under CRA will affect what activities a bank engages in, and most certainly affects their interest in investing in tax credit properties. You might wonder why do banks care about CRA? They care about the CRA because banks need positive CRA evaluations in order to expand the footprint and move into new areas. Investments in affordable housing and community development have traditionally played a significant role in those CRA evaluations. The changes proposed by the OCC and FDIC include some evaluation methods that could potentially reduce investment in community development and affordable housing. And there are several areas that concern advocates. But the biggest one is a simplified investment test. I call it the aggregate balance sheet ratio. Others call it a single metric test, but it's the same thing. The concern is that by simplifying how to measure investment in low-income communities, that the OCC and FDIC will reduce the motivation of banks to make those investments. Some of the proposals could inadvertently reduce the amount of investment. Now, I did write about the proposed regulations in the January issue of the Novograd Journal Tax Credits, and there is a link to that column in today's show notes. I also wrote a blog post with Peter Lawrence about the CRA regulations. There's a link to that post in the show notes as well. Now, with the extension of the comment period on the proposals, I'd like to encourage you and your organization to make your thoughts known to the OCC and FDIC. We at Novogradic, through our Long Housing Tax Credit Working Group, the Markets Tax Credit Working Group, and Opportunity Zones Working Group, will be submitting comment letters on the proposed rule. There are links to each of the working groups in today's show notes. Also, 
to learn more, Neuroquatic is going to host a webinar about the proposed CRA regulations. That webinar will be hosted on March 5th. Peter Lawrence, he's Novogratz's Director of Public Policy and Government Relations, he'll be one of the instructors. And Peter's going to be joined by Buzz Roberts of the National Association of Foreclosing Lenders, Matthew Josephs of LISC, and Jaron Levi of the National Community Reinvestment Coalition. Again, that webinar is March 5th. The link to register is in today's show notes. And I'm also going to tweet out that link as well. I'm sure you're going to want to tune in. So now let's move to other state-level news. First, exciting news coming from the state of Maine. Maine Governor Janet Mills recently signed legislation to create a state low-income housing tax credit. As you know, state credits are used to close financing gaps for many affordable housing properties. The Maine credit that was passed and signed by the governor will automatically match the federal low-income housing tax credit amount. Now, there is a statewide cap of $10 million annually, and at least 10% of the state's credits must be allocated to rural development preservation projects. The new law also requires the allocated agency to set a target over time to allocate at least 30% of these credits to senior housing. Now, if you have any questions about low-income housing tax credits in your state, please contact a Novogratz partner near you. Novogratz's website also keeps a detailed list of state affordable housing tax credit information. I'll include a link to our LIHTC page in today's show notes. And then in related news, a little bit farther south, legislation was introduced in Connecticut to expand the state's workforce housing tax credit program to Opportunity Zones. Specifically, the bill would add properties in Opportunity Zones to the definition of projects eligible for the Workforce Housing Development Tax Credit. And if passed, this change could make workforce housing developments in Opportunity Zones more attractive to investors. And finally, in another state-level Opportunity Zone development, a bill to incentivize investment in Wisconsin Opportunity Zones has been passed by the state legislature. This bill would allow Wisconsin taxpayers to double their capital gains tax exclusion for certain Opportunity Zones investments. Now, if signed by the governor, the law could be a significant enticement to investment in Wisconsin Opportunity Zones. Now, to be eligible, investments would have to be in Qualified Opportunity Funds that have at least 90% of their assets in Wisconsin Opportunity Zones. Now, taxpayers would receive an extra 10% reduction for investments held for five years and an extra 15% reduction for investments held for seven years. At the time of this recording, the bill is on the desk of Governor Tony Evers. Please contact my partner John Shreddy for questions about opportunities on investments in Wisconsin or any other state. This bill is just one of the many state-level topics along with the numerous other topics we'll be discussing at the Novogratic Opportunity Zones Conference being held in Long Beach at the end of April. For more details, Go to the Novogratic Opportunity Zones Resource Center or go to the novoco.com website and click on events. Well, that brings it to the end of this week's report. I would like to remind you that Novogratic does have a full schedule of conferences set for this spring. I mentioned the Opportunity Zones Conference earlier. We'll be gathering with hundreds of community development and tax professionals throughout the country over the spring. We're going to discuss Opportunity Zones, affordable housing, investing in Puerto Rico, renewable energy, as well as new markets tax credits. 
These events are great opportunities to continue your education and to network with others in your field. You can register now for any or all of our conferences. I'll include a link to our upcoming conferences in today's show notes, and I'll send out a tweet to the events page on our website. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.